Hello and welcome to edition number 1884 of the Whitney Talking News, which we're recording in the High Street Methodist Church in Whitney on Thursday the 7th of October. I'm Nigel James and I edited this edition. Beside me at the recording controls we have Gavin Smalley and this week we have items from the Whitney Gazette and the Oxford Mail. Our two readers this evening are Amanda Harvey and Byron Russell. So let's have our first story from Amanda, and this is the first of two stories about felons coming to court. This is a story about an alleged cocaine gang of eight ordered to stand trial. Alleged members of a drugs gang will stand trial next year, accused of handling cocaine worth hundreds of thousands of pounds. The gang is said to have supplied tens of kilos of the Class A drug in Oxfordshire in 2020 and 2021. (coughs) Appearing before Oxford Crown Court on Friday, seven men and one woman pleaded not guilty to allegations of conspiracy to supply Class A drugs. Judge Michael Gledhill QC set the case down for trial. The hearing is expected to last between four and five weeks, with the trial starting on January 17th next year. Michael Rokes outlined the case on behalf of the Crown Prosecution Service. Richard Gray, 32, of Furrow Crescent, Kerbridge, and Jamie Sheridan-Smith, 32, of Bramling Cross, Longworth, pleaded not guilty to conspiracy to supply heroin and cocaine between March 31, 2020 and June 4, 2020, and cocaine between September 1, 2020 and May 26, 2021. Lewis James Court, 36, of Scott Close, Kidlington, denies conspiracy to supply cocaine and possession of a stun gun, a prohibited weapon. Mohammed Saeed Ali, 49, of Cherville, Milton Keynes, William White, 35, of No Fixed Address, Patrick Gray, 43, of Radford Close, Oxford, Mohamed Mohamed Albain, 34, of St Quentin Close, Swindon, and Sophie Ploughman, 27, of Mill Meadow, Whitney, all pleaded not guilty to conspiracy to supply cocaine in a period between September 1st, 2020 and May 26th this year. And the next item is entitled Cricketers Ran After Thief to Get Cash Back. A brazen burglar who stole from a parish church and raided the cricket pavilion during a match refused to come to court and learn his fate, guards at Her Majesty's Prison Bullingdon said at Oxford Crown Court, saying that, as far as he was concerned, the court proceedings are complete regarding his West Oxfordshire crime spree. The court was told Starkings had 67 convictions, including four house break-ins and 15 non-dwelling burglaries. About 20 minutes after being told of the 33-year-old's refusal to leave prison, Judge Nigel Daly completed the court proceedings in his absence, sentencing the thief to two years' imprisonment. Alexandra Bull, prosecuting, said Starkings, formerly of Home Close Carterton, walked into a staff room at Charlesbury Garden Centre on December the 15th and left with a staff member's bank card, later using it in the village Londis corner shop. On December the 22nd, he was caught on camera breaking into the Churchill Court Hotel, Long Hanborough, and walking away with £70 from the bar till. On Christmas Day, 
he went into the Black Horse Standlake and pilfered £750 in banknotes from the tips jar. Having been given a chance by Judge Daly at the court in April, CCC TV caught Starkings going into All Saints Church Marcham on June the 17th and stealing an iPad, its charger and batteries. On July the 24th, he aroused the suspicions of a steward at Stanton Harcourt Cricket Club where the village side was taking on Wolvercote. She alerted the players, who found more than £200 had been stolen from wallets in the changing room. Some eight to ten players confronted Starkings, Mrs Bull said. The defendant said the money he had in his hand was his. He then tried to run. The players recovered £145. A woman with Starkings tried to drive off in a Citroen Picasso. When she found the gates shut, she rammed the car into them until they gave way. Starkings admitted burglary and fraud at an earlier hearing. The judge said he deferred sentences because of a letter from Starkings' partner that claimed he was a changed person and was going to be a better man. However, his actions since then have been the opposite of what was asked of him. This piece is titled A Passion for Pink as Town Looks Rosy on Appeal Duty. The weather tried its best, but even a day of non-stop rain could not put a dampener on the 21st Whitney and Pink Day, back with a bang after last year's Covid-enforced break. With the town decked out in a sea of pink balloons, people put up their umbrellas and donned something pink to support the community event, which raises funds for the research work of the Abingdon-based charity Against Breast Cancer. The weather necessitated curtailment to the day's programme, but the total raised exceeded £3,000, with more to come with more to come in throughout October, National Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Pink Day has now raised more than £250 over the past 21 years. Jean Chateau, chair of the event organiser, the Whitney Action Group of Against Breast Cancer, said... So many people made Whitney and Pink possible, and the hugest heartfelt thanks go to each and every one of you. She launched Whitney and Pink Day 21 years ago after her sister, Delia Winkle, Winkler, 41, died from breast cancer. Since then, she has also fought her own battle against the disease. Mrs Chateau, who is from Whitney, said, It's such an upbeat, joyful day, and everyone was smiling despite the weather. Our team worked their socks off to make a success of it. They are amazing. The collectors stood in the pouring rain for hours. Pink Day brings the community together in a very special way. It's simply wonderful. The day's highlights included a parade of pink cars through the town centre by the Pink Car Owners Club, a huge tombola, cake stall and tin collection. Whitney Rock Choir braved torrential rain to sing their hearts out for shoppers. Whitney Town Band, Ancient Ukuleles and Mason's Apron Morris Dancers entertained the shoppers too. Witness Spartan Rangers football club players blew up, put up and took down the pink biodegradable balloons, ably assisted by boys and leaders from Whitney Scouts. Joy Altman, the Mayor of Whitney, accompanied by town crier Jean Dixon, judged the competition for the best pink shop windows. The Shake Shop won the trophy for best overall display and for the best dressed staff in pink. The year's other winners were Best Pub, the Beekeepers, Best Fashion Shop, Sassy, Best Hairdressers, Beauty Salon, Glamour and Glow, 
Best National Store, Crew Clothing. Best Cafe, The Edge Eatery. Best Shop, Top Bags. Best Jewellers, Grace & Co. Best Charity Shop, RSPCA. The Whitney and Pink Memory Tree will remain in St Mary's Church throughout October for people to write and hang up pink tags in memory of those they've lost. And the next item brings some good news for Whitney Radio. And the title is Radio Station Wins Praise for its COVID Community Action. Whitney Radio has been shortlisted in the annual National Community Radio Awards. The station picked up nominations in the COVID-19 and Community Response category for its work during the pandemic with daily show Community Matters. The winners whittled down from more than 430 entries from radio stations around the UK will be revealed in a ceremony at the Coventry Transport Museum next month. Barry Clack, Whitney Radio's programme controller, said, We're delighted to have been recognised among a large number of other stations, doing great work across the UK. 2020 proved to be challenging for everyone, but equally people needed to be kept informed with up-to-date information, and the hard work of our volunteers kept Whitney Radio not only on air, but through a series of expansions, growing to reach more of West Oxfordshire and to keep them informed. And that is something I'm extremely proud of. Awards chair Martin Steers said, Many stations have further cemented their essential community role in this time, and it is great to reflect. It is clear to see from this that passionate presenters, volunteers and staff are really there for their audiences. Quest for the Funny Side to Leukaemia Now Aids Charity An author is donating September's profits from his book, The Leukaemia Diaries, Seeing the Funnier Side of Cancer, to Leukaemia Care. Anthony Hyde, who was diagnosed with the disease in 2017, is the father of the Blood Cancer Charities Campaigns Officer and has lived in Whitney for 20 years. He decided to write the book as a way of explaining what he went through to his loved ones, but found it became a way to record all the funny stories that both he and his wife experienced throughout throughout the process of diagnosis and treatment. He said, After my diagnosis, I began to talk to more people who were going through various stages of cancer, and I found myself wanting to help them, giving them a shoulder to cry on and offering a bit of positivity and humour. From then on, my overriding wish was that the book might help other cancer sufferers and their loved ones. Since its publication in 2020, The Leukaemia Diaries has been sold to nearly a thousand readers around the world. After Anthony's daughter, Emma, got the job as campaigns officer for Leukaemia Care, he has wanted to get involved with the charity. He said, I was so proud and humbled when I heard Emma would be working for the charity, and since that point we've talked about ways we could work together. And now we move on to a story about Prue Leith. Prue swaps Bake Off's tent for new home garden shed. The grand dame of British cookery, Prue Leith, is swapping home baking for home growing. A new four-part series, Prue's Great Garden Plot, follows the great British Bake Off judge, 81, as she bids farewell to her country home, Chasselton Glebe, near Morton-in-the-Marsh, and downsizes to a modern barn she and husband John Playfair designed together. But there's one big problem, a two-acre-sized problem. The South African-born restaurateur, author and businesswoman, 
who was made a dame in the Queen's birthday honours, is leaving behind a lovingly landscaped seven-acre garden of nearly 50 years. Meanwhile, the couple's new home is surrounded by rubbish, rubble, rusting buildings and overgrown vegetation. For green-fingered Prue, who opened the 8th Blenheim Palace Flower Show last year, a glorious garden filled with life and colour is top of her priority list, even more so than the house itself. She tells viewers that over the years, her garden has been the place where memories have been created and in recent months, her refuge and the saviour of her sanity. Determined to have her new garden looking picture-perfect in less than a year, Prue gets straight down to business. Seeking inspiration from the country's best private gardens, she sets about designing, digging and planting the garden of her dreams. Across the four episodes, viewers will journey through the seasons with Prue and husband John as the ever-evolving garden takes shape. The series will offer aspirational and accessible tips to home horticulturalists who are looking to create magnificent yet manageable gardens themselves. Prue said, I'm no Monty Don, but I've been gardening for 45 years and just love it. But this garden has to be manageable by a pair of oldies, none too keen on kneeling, bending or humping heavy gear. So it's a robot for the lawn, troughs for the veg and pots on the terrace and a fair few disasters. In 2008, Prue told the male she is often happiest when up to her elbows in muck as she tended the beautiful grounds of her former home, Chesselton, which has a lake, complete with tiny man-made island in the centre, plus a bridge, summer house, and even a boat. Prue said then, Gardening is a passion of mine. When I am here and it's not pouring with rain, I spend most of the day in the garden just pottering about. It is a bottomless pit you just throw money at and... As far as I'm concerned, gardening is nearly as good as cooking. Pride and Prejudice actor on reviving Austen's villain. A one-man play about Jane Austen's roguish character, George Wickham, has stopped off at the, ch- the theatre, Chipping Norton. Being Mr Wickham is performed by the original theatre company and was written by Adrian Lucas and Catherine Curzon. It is directed by Gus Unsworth. Mr Lucas, who appeared in the role in the BBC's classic television adaptation of Pride and Prejudice in the 1990s, has returned to the role of Wickham following an online production of Being Mr Wickham earlier this year. Alistair Watley, artistic director of Original Theatre Company, said, Guy Unsworth's production of Adrian's and Catherine's fantastic play was one of the highlights from our recent online season. Originally live-streamed from the beautiful Theatre Royal in Bury St Edmunds, but without an audience physically with us in the room, it's a real thrill to be able to get the show on the road and visit theatres up and down the country. The show follows Pride and Prejudice's villain, George Wickham, on the eve of his 60th birthday, and aims to lift the sheets on exactly what happened 30 years on from where the novel left him. Being Mr Wickham allows the audience to discover the character's own version of Jane Austen's famous literary events. A major character in Austen's novel, Mr Wickham Wickham is a charming and well-spoken man, but he is also immoral, a compulsive liar and has a gambling problem. Mr Wickham has no problem with using people to his own advantage. Mr Lucas said, I'm thrilled to be reunited with my old friend George Wickham. 
Having spent years defending his dubious reputation, I look forward to finally setting the record straight with the assistance of the immensely talented Original Theatre Company. Operating and touring since 2004, the Original Theatre Company has toured extensively all over the UK. Since 2020, it has devised a number of online productions and also launched Original Theatre Online. Being Mr Wickham took to the stage in Chipping Norton on Monday and Tuesday. And the next section is entitled New Tale by Comedy Spy Thriller Author. An author has published a sequel less than two years after his debut novel. Bampton resident Steve Shepard saw a very important teapot hit the shelves in late 2019 with sequel Bored to Death in the Baltics now available to purchase. Mr. Shepard describes the books as comedy spy thrillers. He said it's a direct sequel with the same characters and set four months later. I thought a sequel would be a good idea after the first got good responses from people and I was writing notes while I was writing the first. Because I had the main characters already, it was almost easier as I had something to hang it on. I think this second one adds some credibility and I've had a number of good reviews from the first book from people and other writers, so clearly it was enjoyed, which makes this worthwhile. Initial reviews are that the second is better than the first, so that's reassuring and very encouraging for me. I'm hoping it won't end here. I've started writing a third book, and I've got the basic plot in my mind, so hopefully, all being good, it'll get published too. In broad terms, they're comedy spy thrillers. They're fun, light-hearted, entertaining, but not a spoof. Bored to Death in the Baltics is available to buy on Amazon. We're very fortunate this evening to have a reflection in person by David Sarbutz. And thank you for coming this evening, David. Thank you. I was born in a town called Ormskirk in the Red Rose County of Lancashire. And although I have lived in Whitney for just over 30 years, I am very proud of my heritage. I try to go back home every six weeks or so to refresh my accent. My hometown of Ormskirk is famous for making gingerbread men, but perhaps more importantly, its parish church, St Peter and St Paul, is very unusual, for the church is one of only three churches in England to have both a tower and a steeple, and it's the only one to have them both at the same end of the church. The folklore story is that the person who built the church in 1170 could not decide whether to build a tower or a steeple. So because he had two daughters whom he loved dearly, he built a tower for one of them and a steeple for the other. Lancashire was built on cotton, coal, caps, chimneys and agriculture, as well as being at the forefront of the Industrial Revolution. Throughout history, Lancashire has given many famous things to enrich the wonderful, wonderful tapestry of our world. Ignoring the many inventions which saw the first light of day in Lancashire, the county has given birth to a plethora of entertainment situations. Think of Blackpool and its famous tower. 
its illuminations and its tower circus. Not forgetting, of course, Liverpool on the River Mersey, which was once the gateway to North America, but sadly it was involved closely in the slave trade in the Victorian years. Lancashire has given to the world that wonderful programme of Coronation Street. Many famous comedians, Ken Dodd, Eric Morecambe, Stan Laurel, Les Dawson, to name but a few, have come from Lancashire. It has also produced some great musicians and singers. Some may remember Gracie Fields, George Formby. They even gave the Beatles and so many more. It would, of course, be remiss of me not to mention some of our famous sporting teams and events. The Grand National, held at Aintree annually, Lancashire County Cricket Club, and football teams ranging from the Premier League to lower league places, the most famous of which are Everton, Liverpool, Manchester City and Manchester United. You will realise from this that for me Lancashire is not a dull and dour county as often is portrayed by Coronation Street. There is so much more to my home county. For example, William Shakespeare spent some of his formative years at Horton Tower near the county town of Preston. And we Lancastrians dare to believe that he gained inspiration from his time there, which enabled him to write so powerfully and evocatively. Are you aware too that the first mass-produced convenience food began in Oldham, a cotton town on the edge of the Pennines? This food was fish and chips. Berry is famous worldwide for its black pudding, but my favourite is Lancashire cheese. I am very proud of my heritage, and none of us should forget our background and where we were brought up. This Bible verse sums it up for me. Remember the rock from which you came and the quarry from which you were hewn. In that verse and the ones following, the prophet Isaiah directs the thoughts of his listeners back to their roots. He told them to remember Abraham and of how God kept his promise to him and from this one man a vast nation arose. I believe that our roots are important for they make us the persons we are. However, there is one far, far more important root in which we can be grounded. Because of God's great love for us and all people, it is through the life, death and the resurrection of his son, Jesus, that if we plant our roots in him, we can be part of his glorious kingdom, not only here on earth, but also in heaven. May God bless you. Thank you very much, David, for those inspiring words. And we look forward to having you do a reflection for us again in the near future. And now we have an item supplied by the 
uh, Talking News Federation about doorstep scams, which I hope you will find interesting and informative. DNF Soundings. Features from across the UK. I'm Darren Ward, and I'm a Trading Standards Officer who works for Hertfordshire County Council Trading Standards. Now, Trading Standards is a local government service that works to protect consumers and support legitimate business. We have a statutory obligation to enforce fair trading, combat illegal trading, monitor product safety, address underage sales, and verify weights and measures. The Citizens Advice Consumer Service handle inquiries on our behalf and will help with any complaint about goods and services. If it sounds like there's been a breach of the criminal law that we enforce, they'll pass your complaint on to us for further investigation. Protecting people against scams is more important than ever. Many people are facing issues as a result of the pandemic, meaning more people are in vulnerable situations. Scammers are taking advantage of this, so it's vital people have the knowledge and the tools they need to protect themselves. Scams are crimes that can happen to anyone and that we can all take a stand to help stop. There are actions we can all take to report them. We can share stories and raise awareness of scams to safeguard ourselves and others. For each subject, we'll explain what the scam or fraud is, how it works, how to protect yourself, where to go for advice and how to report the matter. We at Trading Standards hear about many different scams. Nottingham knockers and fish sellers, which I'm going to talk about now, are just two types of door-to-door traders that might come to your doorstep and ring the doorbell. Nottingham knockers is a description given to -to door-to-door traders selling household goods on your doorstep. Also known as the duster sellers, they're usually young men who turn up with a large holdall full of a whole range of products, from tea towels, oven gloves, dishcloths, to cleaning products and polishes, and of course dusters. They knock on doors offering these cleaning items, which they know are cheap and of poor quality, and offer them at an inflated price. Initially, they all came from the Nottingham area, hence the name, but these days they come from all over. They often tell you how they're trying to make a better life, saying they've just come out of prison and are attempting to mend their ways. They'll claim they're on a a rehabilitation scheme, trying to find work, but they may have false permits or other false forms of identification. Nottingham knockers are not part of any recognised rehabilitation scheme, and the government-backed community payback scheme does not involve door-to-door sales. Our best advice is, If you're not expecting a caller, then do not answer that knock at the door or the ring of the doorbell. The deeper issue is that these guys are often con men who will cover a number of streets looking for a vulnerable victim that they can scam. Anyone who gives money to the doorstep traders may find themselves the target of other scams, including rogue trading. Police say that streets that are targeted by the Nottingham knockers often see an increase in distraction burglaries. This is when a person tries to gain access to your home by trying to trick you into believing they need help or that they are officials in the area. Please remember, only deal with callers by appointment. If you're not sure, don't open the door. A genuine caller will make an appointment first or leave you a note. Do not leave large sums of cash or money in your home. If a trader becomes aggressive or threatening, Call the police on 999. 
We're also warning residents against buying fish from door-to-door salespersons using pressure tactics to sell large amounts. In one instance, the fish was left on a try-before-you-buy offer with no money being needed up front. But the trader returned later and tried to charge £360 for a small amount of inferior produce. Most mobile fish sellers have regular weekly rounds, but these new vans are turning up at random locations at random times and charging much more than the average market value for low-quality fish. So we advise that you only buy fish from a reputable fishmonger at an established shop or stall, or from one with a regular pre-arranged round. With door-to-door sales, it's incredibly difficult to tell if the product you're buying has been stored properly, is safe to eat, or is in fact what it's labelled up as. If there are any problems in the future, the sellers are often quite a way away, and it won't be easy to obtain a refund from them. When products are sold on the doorstep, it means you don't have that chance to stop and shop around and check what a reasonable price is, so you're more likely to be ripped off. Residents can end up paying what's been asked because they feel pressured by the seller being in their home. As with all doorstep callers, if you do happen to answer the door, please don't get tempted to buy and ask them to leave. If at any point you feel you're being pressured, then contact the police on 999. Anyone that's been a victim of this type of scam and is wanting to report an incident or wanting advice on doorstep trading can contact the Citizens Advice Consumer Service. Their telephone number is 0808 223 1133. This also gives us at Trading Standards valuable information to assist in tackling the rogues. Please do pass this information on, particularly to any vulnerable family or friends who may get these types of visits, or on to their carers. Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe. TNF Soundings. Well, I hope the talk of doorstep scams doesn't keep you awake at night. Um, Perhaps you can take some comfort from a poem that I found called When You Can't Sleep. When you can't sleep, what do you do? Just fret and worry and toss and stew? That's a foolish thing to do. It only makes blue things more blue. Why don't you lie and just relax? Forget about your income tax. Then jump aboard your memory ship and back to childhood take a trip. Play once again the games you played. That causes fret and fume to fade. The swimming hole, the rippling brook, the funny story, cowboy book. The fun you had while just a boy will prove that life has lots of joy. Go tramp the fields and woods again, get lost once more in drenching rain. Remember when the bull chased you, through the fence you had to struggle through? Or think of dolls that made you glad, and how you loved the neighbour's lad. Go back to school or Sunday school, the pranks you played, the golden rule. Repeat the prayers your mother said each night when you were tucked in bed. Then if you've taken my advice you'll find that life is pretty nice. Perhaps you'll laugh, perhaps you'll weep, and then in sheer gladness, go to sleep. Sober days in October. 
Sober October has arrived, an annual challenge organised to back Macmillan Cancer Support, with those taking part going alcohol-free to raise funds for the charity. While a lot of people maintained their normal drinking habits during the coronavirus pandemic, others did not. Health experts now fear how binge drinking has impacted the British public, with one in four adults increasing their alcohol consumption over the last year. According to the charity, which consulted health experts, after just a week of cutting out alcohol, drinkers feel less tired and more energised. The charity has reminded people <clears throat> that when alcohol is consumed, the substance is absorbed into the bloodstream from the stomach. Enzymes in the liver metabolise the alcohol throughout the night. During this process, the alcohol will still be circulating, causing sleep disruption. Fundraising for funeral after daughter's death. A fundraising appeal has been set up to support the family of an eight-year-old girl who died after a battle with a rare genetic disorder. Lily Mae Oldham from Whitney was born with Rett syndrome, a genetic disorder which affects brain development, resulting in severe mental and physical disability. It is estimated to affect about one in 12,000 girls born each year and is only rarely seen in boys. Lily May died on Friday, September the 24th, and the family friend, who also acted as her personal care assistant, is hoping to help Lily May's family with funeral costs. Kate Squires worked at Springfield School, a special needs school in Whitney, as a teaching assistant and met Lily May whilst employed there. She said, I've been involved in her daily life throughout, and she meant a lot to me. We're heartbroken, and although we knew her life was going to be short, we did not expect it to be this short. She needed care in every aspect of her life, as she had very complicated medical needs. There is usually no family history of Rett syndrome, meaning it is not passed from one generation to the next. Almost all cases, more than 99%, are spontaneous, with the gene mutation occurring randomly. There is no cure for Rett syndrome, therefore treatment focuses on managing the symptoms. Mrs. Squire said, Her needs were so complicated, Rett syndrome affected every part of her life. She couldn't sit up by herself, and she was fed through tubes. She didn't speak, but she would laugh and has this amazing smile. She was so amazing she fought so hard for a whole eight years, which is why it's such a shock for us. Mrs. Squires is now hoping to raise enough money to support Lily May's family and cover the costs of a funeral. Her mum is going through the worst thing that any parent can go through, so I just wanted to do something to ease the burden, said Mrs. Squires. It would mean a lot to me and the family to know the community is behind us at this time. And now it's quiz time. First of all, let's have the answers to last week's uh, questions, which were on the theme of autumn. Question one was, what is, the, what is autumn known as in North America? And the answer is... The fall. The fall, right. Question two is a two-part question. Bonfire night takes place every November, but in which year did Guy Fawkes try to blow up Parliament? Sixteen. Yes. 1605. And which king did Guy Fawkes try to blow up? James I. James the First. James the First. Well done, yes. Question three. 
Name the pigment which trees stop producing, thus causing leaves to lose their green colour. Chlorophyll? Chlorophyll is the answer, yes. Question four. Pheasant shooting season starts at the beginning of which month? August. October. October. And question five. The October Fest is held annually in which German city? And the answer Munich. is Munich, yes. And so to this week's questions, which are all food and drink related, and please don't shout out the answers. Which vegetable has a French name which means eat all? Question two. What type of fruit is a plantain? Question three. The name of which soup, when translated, means pepper water? Question four. In which century did Louis Pasteur invent pasteurisation? And question five. If you ordered a loo in an Indian restaurant, which vegetable would you get? And the answer to those questions will be given to you next week. And now to our next story, which is about business bosses taking a slightly unusual way of communicating. This article is entitled... Business bosses head to Blenheim for network. Business people have the chance to network while they chat and ramble at outdoor locations across the county. Natural Networking has secured a partnership with Blenheim Palace, one of ten sites hosting the jaunts each month. Jackie Jarvis, co-founder, said, We know that exercise, walking and being outdoors are all good for physical and mental health. After the last 18 months, people who've been restricted to online conversations really want to meet face-to-face, but it's not always realistic. People are still a bit uncertain about more confined indoor spaces. With natural networking, it's very safe because we're outdoors, so you can chat easily with people and there is plenty of space. The beautiful grounds at Blenheim add an extra motivation to join in. Business managers and owners, self-employed people and start-up enterprises are now meeting and enjoying conversations that were impossible not very long ago. Natural networking began before the pandemic but has been boosted by people who started taking a stroll as their main exercise during the lockdowns. Caroline Kant is a regular and loves Blenheim. She said it is an amazing place to network. The next walk at Blenheim is is on October the 13th. And now we have two short stories. The first, Force says confidence in policing is damaged. A senior Thames Valley police officer has admitted confidence in policing will have been damaged as a result of the murder by a serving policeman of Sarah Everard. Sacked Metropolitan Police Officer Wayne Cousins was sentenced to life last week for the kidnap, rape and murder of Miss Everard. Thames Valley Police said it was determined to do everything it can to stop violence against women and girls. Assistant Chief Constable Timothy DeMayer, the Head of Crime and Criminal Justice, said, We know that confidence in policing will have been damaged as a result of this horrific case. But we will continue to work in our communities to restore confidence and to protect the public at every opportunity. The next piece is entitled, Man Dies in JCB Collision. A driver aged 55 died in a crash with a JCB digger on the B4044 in Farmore. 
The road was closed following the accident, which happened at 7.45 a.m. on Monday. It involved a blue Ford Cougar and a yellow JCB416 between the A420 and the B4017. The driver of the Cougar, who was from Oxford, died at the scene. The driver of the JCB suffered minor injuries, which did not require hospital treatment. Senior Investigating Officer Ed Crofts of the Joint Operations Unit for Road Policing said, Tragically, as a result of this collision, a man suffered very serious injuries and passed away at the scene, despite the best efforts of medical professionals. Police want to hear from anyone driving in the area at the time who might have dash cam footage. Area Housing Association asked for views on its service. <clears throat> Cotsway Housing is asking its customers how they would like to get involved with the Housing Association and have their say on the services it provides. Cotsway has more than 5,100 homes and is the largest housing provider in West Oxfordshire. The consultation includes questions on how well Cotsway performs, the quality of information it provides and customers' preferred way to offer views. Vicky Paxford, the firm's communities manager, said, We're keen to hear from our customers on how they would like their voice to be heard. We already provide opportunities for customers to be involved in the work that goes on at Cotsway and to influence our services, but we're keen to do more. We'll be emailing customers with a link to the survey and we'll be out in the community and visiting homes to encourage people to share their views. The survey can be completed online, which is the quickest and simplest way to take part, or a paper copy will be available for those without internet access. The large-scale consultation is carried out every three years as part of the Housing Association's commitment to the Tenant Involvement and Empowerment Standard, led by the Regulator of Social Housing. As an incentive to take part and to say thanks, participants can be entered into a prize draw for one of five £50 gift cards. The closing date is November the 5th. See www.cotsway.co.uk forward slash survey. And now an unusual item with an intriguing title. Totem to stand with stones on way to COP26. The ancient Rollwright stones will be joined by a specially made Mexican totem pole for three days during its journey from the US to the COP26 International Climate Change Conference in Glasgow in November. The totem Latamat, meaning the life, was carved by the indigenous Totonic artist Jun Tibercio and as a message to the world from the Totonac people to draw attention to the damage being done to the world and the environment. Robert Smitten, trustee and site manager for the Rollwright Stone Monuments near Chipping Norton, said, The message conveys how our existence is tightly interwoven with nature and how we cannot go on ignoring the damage and destruction that is being inflicted on the world. A fascinating and unique project for the Rollwright Stones to be involved with, we hope visitors will want to view the totem in the tranquil setting of the Rollwright Stones. It'll be installed on October the 18th and will depart on October the 21st. And now it's time for our notice board. There are no birthdays to report this week, but sadly we have four deaths to report. And they are Laurie Allen of Cleverley, 
who died on the 28th of September, aged 96. Leslie William Burford, who died on the 8th of September, aged 67 years, from, who is of Carterton. Dennis John Green, who died on the 23rd of September, aged 87, and his details and location are not mentioned. And Ian Waters, who died on the 17th of September, aged 94, a lifelong resident of Cassington. As well as listening to the USB stick you can receive from us each week, there are several other ways for you to listen to all our editions, including the magazines. And these include Sonata Plus, email, internet, podcast and Alexa. Full details can be seen on our website at wtn.org.uk. Just follow the link and listen online. But if on any week you've not received your stick for whatever reason, or there's a problem with producing the stick, you can always listen on the phone by dialing 01993 555 986. And don't forget to stay listening at the end of this programme to the TNF radio listings for the coming week. And our next item is a cheerful one, as we're coming up to Christmas, about a farm and its illuminations. Farm lights up autumn with new illuminations. Fairy Tale Farm is promising its best light display yet this autumn, helped by the designer behind the Blackpool illuminations. Lighting designer Richard Ryan helped the farm build its original illuminations in 2012 and this year has not only created new features for the existing Enchanted Walk, but has designed an extension that will include Fairy Dell, Dino Valley, and the Huff and Puff Adventure Playground. There are LEDs above the fairy tale shops, a tunnel of lights, a new festoon and coloured floodlighting, plus some surprises along the way. Owner Nick Leister said, All of our main features along the Enchanted Walk such as the sea creatures, the extinct band, the giant's camera and the party poppers, have been interminably illuminated since 2013. We've added new features each year, such as the Snow White Garden and Jack's incredible illuminated beanstalk rising 10 metres into the sky. Lighting designer Richard said, I've known Nick Leister for many years and have always been glad to help him further develop Fairy Tale Farm. I really believe in what Nick is trying to achieve, creating a unique, accessible and sensory attraction that's different to any other attraction in the country. He added, This year's extended display is the first step in making the illuminations longer and more immersive, and a sign of more to come. I've been very careful to ensure that the lighting scheme is appropriate for the rural location, so it won't be Blackpool Illuminations Mark II. It should, however, delight children and adults alike, and I'm creating a layout that will bring other areas of the park into the light show. I'm very excited to see it in action. The farm, in Southcombe, near Chipping Norton, will stay open until one hour after dusk every weekend. Daytime visitors can stay on to see the illuminations for free. The all-in farm admission, food and illuminations deal that has been popular in recent years, will also be returning. Nick said, 
Our Illuminations and Supper deal is available every weekend from 4pm, 3pm from October the 31st, for £6.75 per person if booked online. This price gives evening entry to the fairy tale farm, with a chance to see the animals if you arrive promptly, a soup with crusty bread or a hot dog, plus a hot or cold drink. And you can finish the evening with a stroll through the illuminated gardens after the lights switch on. He described it as a truly magical evening for the whole family. The illuminations will be switched on this Saturday and will run every Saturday and Sunday until November the 28th. After that, the attraction switches on its Christmas displays, which are open between December the 4th and 24th. This article tells us why restoring habitats can help tackle climate change. Landscapes absorb carbon dioxide and store it in the soil. Some landscapes do this better than others. How we manage the spaces around us not only impacts wildlife, but also our planet. Often, the richer a habitat is in wildlife, the more carbon it can store. Nature conservation and combating climate change therefore go hand in hand. If we're to fight climate change, we urgently need to restore the habitats we have lost across our county. For an example of this, look no further than grasslands. Semi-natural grasslands bursting with wildflowers are an important carbon sink. It is estimated that these wildlife-rich habitats can store more than four times as much carbon as an arable or grazed grasslands. In the last hundred years, however, 97% of the UK's semi-natural grasslands have been lost to grazing and farming. When arable land is transformed back into semi-natural grasslands, it reverts to storing much more carbon. Wigwell Nature Reserve in Chalbury is a good example of a thriving semi-natural grassland. For another example, consider ponds. In the last 150 years, 775% of the UK's ponds have vanished. This is not only a problem for wildlife, but also for our atmosphere, as ponds can play a helpful role in storing carbon. As ponds age, they build up sediment, which locks carbon into the earth. However, if ponds are not managed well, they can release the carbon they store as they dry out, along with methane, a more potent greenhouse gas. Again, the answer is to restore habitats around ponds. While ponds are wet, plants such as knapwort and flowing sweet grass can help them act as carbon sinks. With this in mind, the Witchwood Forest Trust plans to introduce ponds at Foxborough, Foxborough Wood in Whitney. Woodland restoration is another critical step we must take to combat climate change. When managed well, broad-leaved, non-conifer woodlands store more carbon dioxide than any other habitat. Friends of the Earth estimates that doubling the UK's tree cover could lock away up to 50 million tonnes of carbon dioxide each year, 10% of our annual emissions. But tree planting needs to be done with care. It is vital that the right tree is planted in the right place, as planting non-native species or putting trees in inappropriate places can do more harm than good. Another important factor is looking after the trees we already have, especially those that are ancient. Ancient trees make up just 25% of our tree cover, but store 36% of the carbon locked in UK trees, as well as providing unique habitats for a variety of wildlife.
Sadly, the Woodland Trust estimates that more than 1,225 ancient woods across the UK are under threat from development and that 981 ancient woods have been permanently lost or damaged in the last 21 years in the last 20 years. We must protect these ancient habitats if we are serious about combating climate change. And finally, Oxfordshire care home resident goes for a spin in a convertible. A care home resident said she had the time of her life after being driven around in a convertible for the first time. Sheila, who lives at Churchfield's care home on Pound Lane, Cassington, had the ride of her life when she was taken for a spin in the staff member's soft top. She said, It made me feel so happy and free, I couldn't keep my arms in the car. Sheila had seen an employee arrive at the home in her convertible car during the summer and mentioned that she would love to go for a ride, as she had never been in one. Churchfields then organised for Sheila to go out with staff members Faye and Claire for a trip around the Oxfordshire countryside. Jane Roberts, the owner of Churchfield, said it was absolutely fantastic to see that Sheila enjoyed her ride. This is something Sheila mentioned to us, and we are thrilled to be able to give her that experience. It was wonderful to see the happiness it created. The trip finished off with a drive-through coffee at Costa. Sheila said, It made me feel proud to be in a lovely car. I can't thank Faye and Claire enough for giving me the opportunity of a lifetime. She added, I honestly felt like the Queen. Well, that's all we have time for this week. Please remove the memory stick uh, from the playback unit and close the metal shield. Remember to reverse the plastic address label on the yellow pouch before posting it back to us. Please do so as soon as possible, as we sometimes run out of labels and pouches, and then we are unable to continue our service to you. If you wish to contact us, simply put a slip of paper in your pouch and then we will phone you. So it only remains for me to thank the Whitney Gazette and the Oxford Mail for the stories we've used tonight. I'd like to thank our technical expert, uh, Gavin Smalley, and Byron and I will be doing the copying and packing later on. We'd also like to thank our volunteers who have been checking the pouches and memory sticks you've returned and keeping records of this in our register. And they are Doreen Turner and Penny Brading. And finally, our two readers, uh, uh, Byron Russell and Amanda Harvey. And I know everyone would like to say goodbye. And so, until our next edition, goodbye. Goodbye. TNF Soundings. Features from across the UK. Now for a look at some of this coming week's radio highlights, starting with Saturday, October 9th. Opera on 3 at 6.30pm is a performance of Verdi's Rigoletto from the Royal Opera House. Spend an evening with Roy Hudd on Radio 4 Extra from 7, when in I Did It My Way he chats about his radio career and includes episodes of Hudlines and Hudwinks, among others. A new series starts at 7.15 on Radio 4 when, in this cultural life, John Wilson talks to Kenneth Branner about his inspirations and influences. In the following week's guests will include Evelyn Glennie and Paul McCartney. Sir Paul McCartney. And David Mellor's Melodies can be heard at 9pm on Classic FM. This week's playlist features works by Manuel de Fala. 
Sunday, October 10th, 4.30, the time to tune to Radio 4 for The Poet and the Snipe, when the poet Paul Farley illustrates the long connection between poets and birds in an uplifting programme. Sunday night is Music Night, of course, on Radio 2 at 7pm, when the 50th anniversary of the partnership between Simon and Garfunkel is celebrated. Drama on 3 at 7.30pm on Radio 3, City College, a student accuses a professor of plagiarism. On to programmes then that are serialised throughout the week. Same radio station, same time, every day. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Book of the Week at 9.45 on Radio 4 and repeated at half past midnight is Will She Do by Dame Eileen Atkins. It's a memoir of her childhood and early career. 10am on Radio 5 Live, you can hear either Adrian Charles or Naga Manchetti with news interviews and listeners' opinions. Composer of the Week at noon on Radio 3 is Johann Sebastian Bach. And the reading just after midday on Radio 4 all week, Monday to Friday, is Harlem Shuffle by Colson Whitehead, a story of a man trying to lead a good life in a bad way in 1960s Harlem. A Home of Our Own is at 1.45 on Radio 4, continued from last week. And the classic FM concert with John Suchet, every night, Monday to Friday, 8pm. On to the rest of the week then, Monday, October 11th. And start the week, as we always do, at 9am on Radio 4 with Andrew Marr. He'll be discussing views of Britain and Ireland from abroad, from the 17th century to the present. Radio 4 Extra has a trio of programmes for early evening listening, starting at 7 with Steptoe and Son, 7.30, Albert and Me, 8pm, Sherlock Holmes will solve the mystery of the engineer's thumb. And The Blues Show with Keris Matthews is at 9 o'clock on Radio 2. Tuesday, October 12th, brings 100 Years of Exile at 4 o'clock on Radio 4. The subject this week is What Do We Owe Refugees? Soul Music on Radio 4 Extra discusses Lily Marlene, a sung by Dietrich. It's followed by Round the Horn at 7pm. 7.30, Radio 3 in Concert has programme of works by Mozart, Tchaikovsky and Beethoven. 8pm on Radio 4, Jim Al-Khalili interviews Sir Patrick Vallance, the government's chief scientific advisor. And as it's Tuesday, it's followed on Radio 4 at 8.40 by In Touch. And the jazz show with Jamie Cullum is a switch down the dial to Radio 2 at 9pm. Wednesday, October 13th, a new series of life-changing at 9am on Radio 4. Jane Garvey interviews a member of the British Embassy in Kuwait who was working there in 1990 when Iraq invaded. The first of a series of dramas by Douglas Livingston is on Radio 4 Extra at 10 and repeated at 3. Today's thriller is The Road to Lisbon. This week's Thinking Aloud considers love and romance at 4pm on Radio 4. And the classic episode of Hancock's Half Hour the Radio Ham is at 7pm on Radio 4 Extra. Half an hour later at 7.30 on Radio 3, in concert, 
features the Two Piano Gala, part of the London Piano Festival. It includes works by Mozart, Ravel and Schubert. Back to Radio 4 Extra for the first episode of Victor Pemberton's thriller Kill the Pharaoh at 8pm. That continues on Thursday and Friday at the same time and actually Monday next week as well if you're a fan. And we round off Wednesday, October 13th with the folk show. Mark Radcliffe, 9 o'clock on Radio 2. Thursday, October 14th, sees another drama in the Road 2 series at 10am on Radio 4 Extra and repeated at 3 as well. This time it's the Road to Ferrara. The always interesting from our own correspondent is at 11 o'clock on Radio 4 with Kate Aidy. The 2.15 drama on Radio 4 is The Western, a humorous, unorthodox love story. In the curious case of Rutherford and Fry, 4pm, Radio 4, the weirdness of water is being considered this week. Topically, the bottom line at 8.30 on Radio 4, Evan Davis and guests look for answers to the shortage of HGV drivers. The Country Show with Bob Harris is at 9pm on Radio 2. And we round off Thursday with Free Thinking at 10pm on Radio 3 with the aptly named Matthew Sweet, exploring the world of sugar from British country houses to tooth and moral decay. And rounding off the week, Friday, October 15th, starts at 11.30 in the morning on Radio 4, the time for comedy with Charlotte and Lillian. With Lillian as her instructor in her old car, Charlotte attempts her sixth driving test. Today sees the final instalment of the gripping Nuremberg at 2.15 on Radio 4. Followed on Radio 4 Extra at 3 by the thriller The Last Submarine Hunter. Based on real events, it tells of Lena Almquist's hunt for her missing brother. Add to playlist at 7.15 on Radio 4 has Keris Matthews and Geoffrey Buake building a playlist by making links between disparate pieces of music. Sounds of the 80s at 8 o'clock on Radio 2 has hits, rarities, features and reminiscence from the decade that brought us leg warmers. And over to Radio 3 at 10pm and much more, can I point out, but I always remember leg warmers. Over to Radio 3 at 10pm for The Verb with Ian McMillan, who celebrates the work of the poet novelist George Mackay Brown ahead of the centenary of his birth this coming Sunday. As ever, may I wish you a peaceful, safe and enjoyable week of radio listening. TNF Soundings. 